What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to Roots, Rhythm, and Soul, a podcast where we unearth the stories of Afro-Latin dance and music. I'm your host, Mario B., and you are just listening to Soul Drummer by Rey Barreto. This episode will be part two of our interview with Eddie and Maria Torres. Today, we will be discussing more important and intimate moments in their dance career and diving more into personal hardship and social issues. So here they are once again, the Mambo King and Mambo Queen, Mr. Eddie and Maria Torres. Welcome, Bye. guys. Hey, hello, Mario. Guys. Mario, Good thanks morning. for having us back. And Anytime. We want to say hello also to Emily and to Ruben, your, 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 your backbones there that are working yes. with you. Your and backbone. so, yeah, thank you for having us back, bro. No, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for an amazing uh, part one to this two-part series uh, right here on our Roots, Rhythm, and Soul. And we want to start off with... with um, some amazing piece of history that a lot of people probably don't know, and they, I think they should know, and it's part of our dance history. Your journey to the White House. Not a lot of people know that you actually performed at the White House. So if yes. you can share with us and your, your viewers about that experience. That was June 6, 1992. <laughs> um, okay, so let, let, me just, uh, let me just say this up front. What we performed, Mario, was a very historical theater called, it was called the Ford Theater, which is where they shot President Lincoln. That's where the actual concert was held. Awesome. And one of the things, as I, as I tell in my story and my journey, one of the things, of course, because uh, the team, as you know, and I've mentioned them and will continue to mention, Augie and Margot Rodriguez, one of my biggest inspirations as professional dancers. They not, only, they not only performed for one, I believe they performed for two or three presidents, and I thought that was such a cool thing to be able and have the honor to perform with that kind of prestige saying for a president or kings. And um, I remember um, that was always one of the things on my bucket list, my wish list as I, was, uh, as I was getting further into my career. And I remember a few times they had invited me to perform. The first time they invited me was to perform for President Clinton. Wow. President Clinton, and, and um, no, and and I remember, I remember that at the end of the day, the president never showed up, and this happened up about two times after that. I think it happened twice. Where oh Eddie, we're going to perform for the president, but the president never showed up for one reason or another. So then all of a sudden, one day I get a phone call from some agency, some booking agency. And they says, is Eddie Torres? Says, yes, the Mambo King. I said, yeah. And he says, we'd like to invite you with Tito Puente to perform for President Bush in Washington at the Ford Theater. Just to clarify for a moment, when Eddie said Clinton, he really meant to say Carter, Jimmy Carter. Also, when he refers to Bush, he is referring to Bush Sr., who was president from 1989 to 1993. Now back to our episode. And you know, the first thought in my mind, uh, Mario, was that this is another, another uh, 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 one of those situations where I'm gonna go and the president's not gonna show up again. And I was already a little bit cynical about that. So I said, yeah, well, you know, I said, I've been invited already twice to perform for presidents and the presidents never show up. 
and the guy says, um, "No, no, no. This is a serious. Uh, uh, this is a serious uh, commitment that we're going to put you in, along with Tito, Celia. I named the whole, the whole uh, uh, billing that was the, the artists that were going to be on." And um, I told him, "Well, you know what? Unfortunately, the weekend that they wanted me to go was the weekend we were celebrating the Puerto Rican Day Parade here in New York." Mm. And I was always I was always committed to working with uh, the the company Goya. They would hire us to perform on their float. And I told this guy, I said, "Listen, well, I don't know if I can do it because I'm going to be performing at the Puerto Rican Day Parade, and I have a, a contract commitment with this uh, company called Goya." And the guy is telling me, he says, "Wait a minute, is this really Eddie Torres, the Mambo King?" I said, "Yeah." He says, "Do you mean to tell me that you're going to pass up an opportunity?" to perform for the president because you have to be at a parade? I said, yeah, well, I'll be honest with you. This is like the third time that I'm being invited. And again, the president never shows up. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak to the guy who hired me from Goya. If he gives me the okay, I'll get back to you and I'll let you know if I can do this, all right? Because I seriously thought this was gonna be another flaky thing where the president wouldn't show up. So I called up the guy, his name was Ralph Dodo. I said, Rafi, um, they, they've invited me to perform with Tito for President Bush uh, at the Fourth Theater in Washington. Uh, it, would you uh, would you allow me to send my dance company to do the work at the parade, and I'll go to uh, to Washington and and do this? At first, he said, "No, no, no. I got you on contract, and if you break the contract, I'm going to have to sue you." So I said, "Oh man, I thought I was afraid." I said, oh, "No problem. I'll call the guy up and tell him I can't make it." And then he starts to laugh. He said, no, bro, I'm only kidding, man. He says, of course. He said, I'm not going to tell you not to go. He says, because you doing that makes all Latinos look good. This yes. is good for all of us yes. to know that you're going to have the, the, the opportunity to perform Absolutely. for the president. Re representing so for the like, minority community. Yeah, exactly. Yes. He says, so I'm just jiving. He says, go ahead and do your thing and make us proud, you know? So then I called the guy up and said, man, you, you guys are lucky because the guy let me off the hook. <laughs> And he told me, he told me, he told me that I could go and do this. But honestly, Mario, even then I was skeptical. I said, ah, this is probably not even, I'm going to wind up in the parade, right? So uh, about a few days later, my mother gives me this letter with the golden seal from the White House. Wow. You know, an official invitation. Wow. And when I opened that up, I said, oh, shoot, this looks like it's real. Like it's going to happen. And again, look who was on this billing, Mario. You had... You had Tito Puente, you had Celia Cruz, you had the famous Cuban trumpeter, Arturo Sandoval. Wow. Uh, you had Vanessa Williams. You had Rita Moreno. You and had Vanessa, Vanessa Williams loved to dance salsa, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, run, I ran into her in a couple of congresses in L.A. You had her, you had Vicky Carr, you had uh, 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 the hosts were Jimmy Smith and Ricardo Montalban from Fantasy Island. Wow. Um, and uh, and then you had Barry Manilow, who closed it with a beautiful number, like a, a, a gospel piece uh, called Let Freedom Ring. Um, you had a comedian. You have Paul Rodriguez. That he, at that time, he was hosting uh, some TV show. It was a big all-star cast, man. Yeah. Wow. And, 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 the, and the thing is, after, after I received that letter, when the time came, then they sent me the, the airplane ticket. Everything first class, Mario. Wow. Yes. First class plane, first class hotel, five star. We we're at the embassy hotel and, and limousine service. I'm talking about class, class, class to the hilt. So when I'm there and I'm realizing, oh my God, this is really happening this time. So here we are. 
you know, we got to the hotel. Tito was traveling from some country that I understand he took a plane like almost 16 hours to get there to wow. be on this gig. Um, and when he got there, this was, this was something I remember. When he got there, he was so jet lagged. He didn't know night from day. He got there, and I believe he got there Saturday, was, which was the day of the performance. And I remember when I saw him, he, he was in the toilet. He said, Eddie, I just got off the plane. He says, I am so jet lagged, I can't even begin to tell you. He says, but you know what? The show goes on. We're going to do this tonight. Now, this was on Saturday. And, and before the, we actually went to the theater that night to perform, they invited us to the White House to take pictures with President Bush and Barbara. We're talking about the father, not the son. Wow, OK. Um, so one of the funny stories I love telling is that when we're here and there's one of the rooms in the White House and we're like in a single line, one of us will go up, every artist, one at a time, will go up to the president, shake his hand, take a picture, and that was it. So when it was Tito's turn to take a picture, and only Tito could do this, Mario, he walks up to the president, he takes his hand, he says, Mr. President, my name is Tito Puente, and I am the goodwill ambassador for Latin music around the world. And President Bush looked at him, he said, Mr. Puente, you need no introduction with me because I'm a big fan of yours. I really like your music. Wow, that's and awesome. Then and then Tito turns around and he says, is that, is that right? He says, yes, I really enjoy your music. He says, well, I'll tell you what. If you play your cards right tonight after the show, I'm going to sign an autographed picture for you. And the president looked at him and he says, Mr. Puente, that would be an honor for me to have an autographed wow. picture. And then Tito looks at me and says, well, let's see how things go tonight. But that was Tito. That was Tito. And I'm sitting here with like with my hand on my mouth. Only Tito could do that. Even the the CIA people that are standing next to the president, you can see that they wanted to laugh. He's got balls. No, no, no. That's who Tito was. He was so down to earth. Yeah. He wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but that's the kind of person he was. He was just wow. being Tito. You yeah. know what I mean? And the president, I think, enjoyed it. Because most of us, we, we you know, we shake the hands of a president with such like, respect. And then I, you know, he said, "Yo, man, you know, you you, you need to dance on too." I'm surprised he didn't tell him that. You know what I mean? But 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 um, but that was Tito, and I'll never forget that because I said, "Man," as, as I thought about it, I said, only Tito could get away with that, man. So that what I did, awesome. Mario, I uh, he had an option for me to go with Eddie. I told him, "Look, you go see that's for the president. I'll conduct." Your parade for the Goya parade. Mm -hmm. We had the Kids Bay Boys and Girls Club. We started the kids program back in 1988. We had the junior group. We had the senior group. So I conducted the the, the parade for him. So we don't look back for only the community, but for Goya as well to let them know our word is bound. So I what behind. What better person to, to take over? Am I right? Absolutely. For him. Yeah. Anyway, so we. We had an amazing, amazing uh, weekend there. And um, I'm telling you, here I am in this theater. And we did that. We danced to this tune, Ran Can Can. On, on this trip, I had also Delil Thomas. I had uh, Evelyn uh, Leon. Evelyn Leon. I had Nelida Tirado. And, um, and uh, I remember also Celia Cruz, man. Uh, she sang um, Babalu, you know. Wow. She's the one of her. And I, I, it was amazing, but the one that really, that really, oh man, he blew everybody away with his trumpet solo was Arturo Sandoval. Mm. He, he, he played the song and then he played a melody in a, as a solo. And I, 
it's like people were crying. It was so beautiful. All right, folks, let's give some recognition and perspective to another amazing legendary artist, Arturo Sandoval, a Cuban-American jazz trumpeter, pianist, and composer. While living in his native Cuba, Sandoval was influenced by jazz musicians Charlie Parker, Clifford Brown, and Dizzy Gillespie. He is a Grammy Award winner and also performed at the Super Bowl in 1995. And now back to our episode. And then, of course, everybody else did their thing. They had uh, Vanessa Williams uh, speak. They had uh, Rita Moreno. You know, it was beautiful. Then at the end, they had Barry Manilow close it with the song called Let Freedom, Let Freedom Ring, which I posted that on YouTube for the people to see. And it was just a really an amazing experience. Yeah. And I said to myself, when I got back home, I said, man, finally, I could cross this off my list. Because yeah. this is something I really wanted to have in my in my uh, resume yeah. as an experience because I thought it was a cool thing to be able to say that you perform, let's say, for for people like a president or in the White House. Um, Absolutely, that's that's an honor. I mean, how many? Oh yeah, oh, you yeah. can't you can't put just a hand, right? How many people have performed at the White House? Not just once, but three times, and mm. it's it's mind blowing. It's it's a huge task. It's an honor. Yes. Um, Eddie, thank you for sharing that story, man. Thank yeah. you. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Thank man. you, Maria. Like I said, for, I, thank you, Maria, for always <laughs> confirming dates, by the way. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yes, that's right. Yes, always. Yes. You know, it's funny because for me to remember where I've been, I have to look at my passport, Mario. Because the truth is, I know I've been there, but I couldn't tell you the date or the time, nothing. But Maria's good at that. Yes, yes, but, um, yes. Oh, my God. And goodness. I want to mention to everyone that many times Eddie has a big opportunity. And he, I can't make it because, again, uh, I took him, my dad, his mom, and now my mom. And my priority, I love dancing, I love traveling with my husband, but my priority is if my parents need my help, I'm there 100%. So what I do is I say, honey, you go. I'll keep the, I'll keep the parents going. We have our three kids, the studio going. I'll make his costume while he's away. But that's my way as a wife. To support my husband, to support our dream. Because this, once he told me this dream, it became ours. That's you know, it be, we became beautiful. one. Yeah. You know, like we shared earlier, I, I call you the Babe Ruth of the dance community, right? Because yes. here, here we have all these accolades from the Apollo Theater, the White House, yes. Madison Square yes. Garden, Lincoln Center, um, Carnegie Hall. Carnegie Hall, which, which is another prestigious venue to perform at. Uh, and you called it. You called yeah. it and you did it. That's your integrity right there, man. Mario, one of the places I would have loved to perform, and it was the only place of, of real prestige in New York City, uh, was Radio City Music Hall. You never and, performed at Radio City? And believe yeah. it or oh not, my Ralph, God. Ralph McCardle did an event, and, and I don't know if I wasn't available or whatever, but I missed it. Oh. And I, re and I really regret it because that's... That's another place I would have loved to, you know, been been able to perform yeah, at. Yeah, he was away. You know? he was away. But you know, to perform at Carnegie Hall with Huge. Tito and Celia, and and we had a, a we had a, at that time we Michelle Camilo, the famous piano player. Yes. Oh my God! And 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 it was just an amazing experience just to be in that in that beautiful hall. Yeah. And just to realize it, because you know, when when you're living the moment, you have to pinch yourself. Yes. Say, are we really here? Yeah. You know, because that's that's how beautiful our music is, man. That yes. it has been featured in all these great halls, not only in New York but around the world. 
you know, to, to touch back, you know, touch base on, on that feeling, right? Um, we see how diverse Latin music is, right? And yeah. there's everybody, there's Caucasian, there's Asian, African-American, European, yes. all, I mean, United Nations, right? But what does soul, what does soul mean to you? You know, I put something up not too long ago, a photo of mine, and I wrote as a caption for the photo, I put, my dance is born from the joy and the pain of what I've lived, of my life. And basically, if there's anything that I believe for me represents soul, is what is inside of your actual soul and in your heart. And for, for me, since I, since I can tell you this, Mario, um, my upbringing, my childhood was not, wasn't a great normal childhood. I had a lot of pain that I lived with in my family because, you know, um, my mom and dad, they, they divorced when I was very young. Uh, one of my sisters from mom and dad, the only sister I had from mom and dad, she committed suicide very young. Oh, man, um, sorry, man. And, yeah, and my brother, I lost him to heroin. Uh, oh. drug, he, he did drugs all his life. So these were my only two brother and sister from mom and dad. And I always had a pain deep in my heart because I said, man, I would have loved, loved, loved to have been able to enjoy them as a brother should enjoy another brother or a sister. And I never had that opportunity. You know, we always had problems in the family. There was always fights and, you know, we're very dysfunctional. As a matter of fact, one of the things that I discovered when I learned how to dance that that, that when I would go out dancing to the clubs after feeling so frustrated from any problem that I was having at home, that I would dance uh, the night away and it would help me. I would come out feeling much better. Therapeutic. And I, yeah, and I said, man, this dance is therapy. So I, that even for that reason more so, I gravitated to the dance and, and not to say it was the answer to life for me, but it really helped me. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that way also about the, the music and the dance, that it, it does help us and times of hardship, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And and I'm sure when we think of soul, of course, we can't forget about uh, soul brother number one, Mr. James Brown, right? Oh my God. And as yeah. you know, he had a very tough life yes. as a child too, you know? Just yeah. like Michael, you know? I, I, you know, that's funny that I learned something because one of the dances I love too is flamenco dancing. And uh, one of the things I learned that there's, the, the, the Spaniards have a word called el duende, el duende, which I think it has to do something with the pain, the pain of life. And 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 for the flamenco dancers, I believe the more they have suffered, the better they dance. And, wow. and somebody told me that they actually put themselves through a hell of a life because they know that that's all going to come out in, in, in their dancing. And you talk about, you know, it, it, it might not be the, 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 the prettiest thing to think about, but the truth is, you know that when you're hurting, and you have pain in your heart, whether you sing or you dance, that is gonna come out. And it's gonna make you reach down inside what, where, in the place in our bodies that we call the soul. That's why when you hear people singing and you say, man, that person has so much soul that they actually make you cry when they're singing. Or when you see somebody dancing or even flamenco dancing, they close their eyes and they go inside and they reach deep down. So I believe Whatever it is that we call soul, it has to do with your life, with who you are, how you live. Not to say that everybody should go out there and give themselves a dog life to, 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 
to find soul. Right. But I do know, especially in my experience, the pain that I live with also was, I used to bring it out on the dance floor. Let me give you an example. I was going to Zurich one time, and this is the time that my brother had just passed away. I did not want to go. I was mourning, and I was really feeling really down. And I told my mother, I said, Mom, I, I don't want to go. I don't, I don't feel like dancing at this moment. And you know what she told me? She said, no, mijo, you go because you have to commit. You have to complete with your word, and you have to you know, honor your word. He says, also, uh, instead of staying home and mourning, whatever you're feeling in your heart right now about your brother and over him, put it on that stage and let yourself express it through your dance. Mario, I went to, I believe I was in Zurich at that time, and I believe Osmar Perrones was there. And I, I did a number which I choreographed, uh, La Quinta Guajira, the, the Beethoven number. Yes. And uh, all I could tell you is while I was dancing that number with the pain that I had at that moment from my brother, I was feeling it and I was expressing it on stage. And after the show, Osman came over to me and said, Eddie, I don't know what you were feeling at that moment, but I felt such a deep, deep, deep feeling in your soul while you were performing that number. And I know you must have been, you know, expressing something deep within your heart because you saw it and you felt it. The audience felt it. He said, "We all, you almost had us crying out here. And then I told him, I said, well, my brother just passed and what I'm feeling is his loss and what I'm dancing is from the pain of mourning for him, you know? Wow. And I remember when I got home, I said, mom, thank you because you were right. I had to express that. And I had to get that out of my heart, out of me. I had to, you know, uh, like they say, vent. Mm -hmm. And what other way to express it but physically, right? Dance is a physical yes. form of yes. self-expression. Um, yes. So that's that's beautiful, man. Um, do you, we, I mean, we know, right, that Africa and Cuba has a huge influence in, in soulful music. But what do you think or how do you think music and salsa in particular today would be without the influences of Afro-Latin, you know, influence of Africa and Cuba? Wow, that's that's a deep question, Mario. Because right. through this, as as I you know, and I have, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the Cuban, the Cuban dancers, the the Cuban music. I love, love, love their music, and also because I see the oppression that these brothers and sisters have lived with throughout the years in Cuba, and I believe that they are also an example of what I'm talking about here. That that their their soulful music and the the way they play and dance comes from that pain and their heart from, I guess, the life that they live and whatever oppression they have been dealing with, you know? Um, and that's why I said, you know, when I when I see Cuban dancers, and especially if, if I've had the opportunity to look at videos, because Tito Puente used to be given videos of Cuban dancers and musicians, and he used to pass them on to me. He said, Eddie, here, take this and watch it, because I'm sure you're gonna learn something from it or it's gonna inspire you. And there's something about watching the Cuban dancers in the way in the way that everything seems to come out of them so natural so organic and and i said man i says i don't think that everybody unless you unless you are either from cuba born there or something i don't see how anybody can just come out naturally we all dance you know when we study especially all over europe they study uh the, with cuban teachers but i says you know we can probably do the best we can to either imitate them or inspire from them. But, you know, I, I think only the Cubans do what the Cubans do and, yeah. and the music and the dance. 
and I and and I and I'm one that I'm so grateful because I, I I know that a lot of our rhythms, if not all the ones that we dance to here in New York, they come from Cuba. The mambo, the cha cha, the pachanga, the all all the rumba, everything. It's it's all Cuban uh, based, and then as you say, from Africa to Cuba, from Cuba to the world. So not not to not to uh, speak any less of, of of music from Puerto Rico or anybody else. But I know the Cubans have given us a lot. They contributed a lot uh, of beautiful music and dance. And for that, I thank them and I'm, and I'm grateful, but I'm also aware that, and especially right now, I'm sure a lot of them would love to come here to America and do their thing here and, and show, show off their talent. Absolutely. And, and you know that, uh, that they can't, you know, they can't uh, freely come here. But uh, and I've always, you know, it's funny, Mary. I've always wanted to visit Cuba. When 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 uh, Celia Cruz was alive, I say, Celia, I want to go to Cuba. She goes, No, no, Eddie. She says, You're not going until Cuba. The whole political uh, situation changes and they become liberated, and then we're all gonna go. We're gonna have a big party. We're gonna go to Cuba. She she always had that in her heart that she wanted to go back yes. to her motherland. And um and I used to I used to tell us and then. Celia, I've got to go to Cuba at least one time to experience, you know, the whole musical yeah. uh, experience of, of of the Cubans. And I never got to go. As a matter of fact, two years ago at the Aventura Dance Cruise, as you know, was having a, a cruise that was going to stop in, in Havana for one day. And just that same weekend as it was supposed to happen, they canceled it because I, I believe Trump closed the border. Oh, so that's right. That's right. Oh man, was I broken hearted about that because I said, man, I waited all these years and I was looking forward to it on the cruise to be able to go even for one day, Mario. Wow. To, wow. to live Listen, one day in Cuba. You mentioned Pachanga, you know, and, and as you know, Pachanga has been around for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And it's just recently, in the last few years, uh, Pachanga has really, really been up and coming. It's becoming, you know, the modern thing to do now. It's very popular. Uh, and I think you have a huge influence in, yes. in bringing that popularity because you chose, again, soul funk number one, Mr. James Brown. So <laughs> what, what was your um, motivation to start using, which is a Me, little bit unorthodox, right? Because you're like, man, he's using James Brown to do pachanga. Like, isn't that a little disrespectful to, you know, the, the, you know, the Cuban people? And, and all, But no, it, it, it plays perfect, right? I mean, it's one in one. What was your motivation yes. behind using James Brown? Well, let me tell you, before James Brown, before I even talk about James Brown, um, back in the 90s, when I started traveling, especially to Italy, when I was invited to go there, um, you're right, the pachanga was a dance from the, in my upbringing, I saw it for the first time in Puerto Rico when I was 15 years old. There was an album that Johnny Pacheco released. It was called Pacheco y Sucharanga, and he had a tune, a fa very famous tune, that used to go, Akuyuye, Akuyuye. And then he had another one that goes, I can't sing, because if I could sing, I wouldn't have to be doing this, Mario. But anyway, he had a wonderful album. And in Puerto Rico, I'm in the house party, and they're dancing pachanga. I see him jumping around. I said, oh, man, that looks like fun. And that was the first time I saw it. And of course, as I started to learn more, and I came to New York, people in New York during the 60s, they were dancing pachanga along with mambo, along with the cha-cha, the boogaloo. Uh, pachanga was one of the novelty dances. And I dug it. I dug it right away. So I started learning it. I started trying to bend uh, steps on, on pachanga. And then when I was working with Melissa Rosado, 
All right, my beautiful people, let's pause for a moment and let's acknowledge Melissa Rosado. Melissa, AKA the Mambo Princess, was a student of Eddie Torres and one of his dance partners. She was born and raised in the Bronx and is a respected dancer, choreographer, and performer domestically and internationally, who currently lives in New York City. She now runs her own dance company and continues to teach today. Now back to our episode. One time when I was going to Italy to work with her, I said, I said, Melissa, what I want to do is I want to introduce the people in Italy to Pachanga. So during that tour, we had a few numbers. One was a regular mambo, like Mambo Son Batido Puente. And then there was another one. I think it, it might have been Abre Le Camino Mi Son. Or, or it might have been uh, Rimo Changui. You know what I mean? Um, Got it. And, and, and I remember we were in a place called, I believe it was Pescara or something. And we came out and the first number I did was a pachanga. And as I'm dancing and I'm looking at the people in the audience, the Italians, they were looking at us strange, Mario. Like, I'm sure they were thinking, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know, here we are. Jumping. And, and, and I said to myself, hmm. So when we went back, I says, you know what, Melissa? I says, I think we, we need to switch off now and do a little mambo because that's what they were used to. And then I remember that in that same in that same night we got a chance to do a workshop at the club, and I remember telling the Italian I said, "Listen, today you might look at the pachanga a little strange because you don't understand it." But I told them I said, "I can guarantee you, once you start learning this dance, I said you're gonna fall in love with it." And sure enough, uh, Mario, as years went on, and I kept you know trying to spread everywhere I went teaching pachanga. Now, if you go to Italy, the first thing they'll ask, or if I go, the first thing they'll ask is, Matthew, you have a pachanga workshop, right? Because wow. they love it. They love it, and they do it so beautiful. And so then, um, of course, you know, as, as, as years go on, here's what happens to us, Mario. For example, happened to Tito. After so many years, he had his big band, 24 pieces. And, and then as years went on, you know, you want to experiment with something new, you know? It happens to a lot of artists. Happened to Palmieri. Palmieri was doing typical dance music, and then he's branched off, and now he does a lot of jazz. And it's a common thing that happens. So as years go on, I said, you know what? I've done mambo all my life. I've done cha-cha-cha all my life. I said, I want to start experimenting with new music and trying to use the same movements of pachanga or mambo or cha-cha with the boogaloo to different music. And then I started experimenting by doing starting to do numbers of James Brown because first of all a James Brown music Mario if you don't feel that you better check your pulse you know what I'm saying because yeah James Brown music man he wake up he'll wake up the dead my brother you know so yeah 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 so as I started to choreograph these tunes and I remember because when I was doing them when I, anytime I would try something new for example I also choreographed a tune called The Last Tango in Paris which I did with Melissa and I remember that when I was when I choreographed it and I told Melissa, I said, Melissa, in our next show, I want to showcase this number. And she wasn't sure. She was kind of afraid and leery about it because she said, Eddie, you think the people are going to like that? You know, because it wasn't it wasn't so much a, a cha-cha or it wasn't mambo. It was something different. It was a tune by Gato Balbieri, the last tango in Paris. Beautiful music, by the way. So I told her, I said, Melissa, you know what? One thing for sure, you won't know until you try it. So I want to put it out there. If the people like it, good. I'm just going to add that to the repertoire. And if they don't like it, at least I tried. But I was never, never afraid to fuse. 
the same way you saw me do tune, uh, some, some choreographies with, with a big group where I would have not only mambo, I would have hustle dances, I had hip hop dances, I had uh, jazz dances, some flamenco, all these fusions. Because I said to myself, that's one of the things I love about this music, Mario, that it allows you to implement all the fusions of different dance forms, whether it's African dancing, typical Cuban dancing, ballet, jazz, on and on, even tap dancing, which I, I did one time with these two brothers when they performed uh, with Tito Puente on his last concert. And I always saw that, I said, man, you could throw any kind of dances here. As long as it's on time and it's done with, you know, with, with, with character and class, I believe it'll work. So throughout the years, in my later years, I started to branch out. I did numbers by Luis Miguel. I did, like you say, James Brown. Um, I, I, <coughs> I did numbers by Al Jarreau. Mm. I did a number called Groovin' High, which I performed it in Spain with my son. Um, and, and, and I can go on, but I started to realize, I said, how cool is this, that this repertoire of steps of pachanga and mambo, you can jump around and, and, and use other music and it, it's, it's still cool. For me, it's still cool. It's a cool thing to do. And now more than ever, people say, you know, Eddie, before I was afraid, but when, now that I see that you're doing it and it works for you, I'm going to get into doing this too. So now you see people doing all kinds of music and all kinds of fusion. You know, Which you, is a cool thing. Yeah, you, you bring up a very, very great point. Um, you know, Latin dance, Latin music, extremely diverse, right? For example, mm -hmm. you go to a rock club, and these are just statistics, right? Maybe 75, 85% Caucasian. You go to a hip-hop club, <clears throat> right? 75, 85% African-American. You go to a Latin club, United Nations. There's everybody in there, right? African-American, hey, Asian, yeah. European, Hispanic, um, why do you believe dance has been able to bring so many races together uh, as so profound as Latin music and Latin dancing? Because our music is so good. That's it's, the only way to say that. It's soulful. The it music attracts is so everyone. Good. So, you know, that's that's why we're here, baby. It's Mario, that started, that started back in the Palladium. Mm. If you look at the Palladium, man, it was everybody. It was black, it was white, it was Italian, it was Jewish. It was Cuban, it was Dominican, and we were all there, you know? And what was it about? It was about that beautiful music, man. How can you not listen to bands like Puente, Machito, Rodriguez, Palmieri, and so on, and, and, and not get into some kind of a groove? You know, I, I laugh because a lot of times uh, when I'm around non-Latinos or Anglos and, and, and they're listening to the music, they don't know anything about the words, but you see them actually making up words and trying to follow the lyrics. Wow. I remember one of the funny stories when, remember this tune came out um, with a grand combo that used to say, Damelo, Paragadagada, and Damelo. It was a very famous tune, right? Yes. Um, and, and Abby Plotkin used to come to class. And I remember when I would play that, she would start singing, Domino's. I really <laughs> like that pizza, Domino. And I'd say, Abby, it's not Domino's. She said, No, I thought they were singing about the pizza. And he said, No, it's Domino. You know, but, that, but that, these are the funny little stories that I remember. And, and just to show you that although the people that don't even speak Spanish, they still, they dig our music and they dig singers like Celia Cruz. And, and they don't care if they don't understand, but that, that's because it's so good. The music is so rich. Absolutely. And, yeah, yeah, and the voices like a, when you hear Celia Cruz or when you hear Ismael Rivera, you know, how are you not going to? appreciate yeah. that yeah. Oh, Benny More. 
oh by the way, my, my newest choreography is by Benny More, just so you know. Nice. Mm-hmm. I'll have my eyes open, my ears open for that one. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, yeah. we're definitely breaking down the racial barriers, right? Yes. And you yes. both, both of you have experienced a lot, right? Segregation, racism. Yes. Yes. Um, do you feel that racism, racism has impacted the dance community within your journey? If so, uh, do you think that's being affected today with all that's going on? Well, you want to know something, Mario? Although I, I don't like, I don't like to get into certain topics, but one thing I can tell you this: yeah, everywhere I've traveled around the world, when it comes to the dance community, where, for example, if I, I let's say I'm going to give you an example, I'm in Hamburg, Germany, right? In within the environment of the Congress and the people that are there for the for the dance and for the music, you don't you don't see or you don't get the feeling of racism. Everybody's just loving everybody, having a good time. And then, for example, you can step out of that circle and go to the street. And if they look at you, and if you happen to be a dark color, and and for example, I went to McDonald's and I and I couldn't speak uh, German. So I was asking the guy in English and he kept on telling me, no, we don't speak English, German. And I said, oh, man, what a difference from the dance circle. Wow. Because once you enter, it's, it's almost like you're in a whole different setting amongst people who love the music and the dance. But then the racism could exist more outside that circle. This yeah. has been my experience. You know what I mean? Wow. No, no, once, is, one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've had my so share. One, yeah, yo, yeah. when it comes to the music, as long as you dance... You're good. You got friends. You got people from all over the world, every nationality. And like Tilo used to say, in the Palladium, there was no ethnic groups. Everybody was there just to have a good time about the dance and the music. Yeah. As long as you dress sharply, right? You don't even have to dress up. <laughs> no, if you, you can dance good, sharply. you're in. No, not at all. Not at all. Well, listen, for me, I'm, I'm not the most petite person in the world. Uh, for me, it was very intimidating to start dancing because we have this stereotype and, and these boundaries that when you think of a dancer, you think of someone you see on Broadway, very petite, very physically in shape. Um, do you Thin. think, yeah, yeah. I mean, do you think, and it was, it was very challenging for me. Um, do you think the dance community and, and a lot of viewers and uh, those who are listening um, also have intimidation, right? Because it's either, you know, their sex, their weight, their color, um, do you think age. it's a safe place? Their age, yeah. Do you, do you think the dance community is a safe place for everybody? Mario, if I didn't know you and I walked into a club, I'd think you were Polish or something, number <laughs> one, okay? Because you don't look like the typical Latino to me. Jane Queer, Jane Queer. You look high yellow, high yellow. Uh, um, so first of all, um, that's true. You know, image is important. You know, girls want to go with good-looking guys, guys want But you know what? I, I also found out that if you were a good dancer, for example, Brian and I, we had a friend that used to dance at the Corso all the time. Her name was Teresa. Yeah. And this girl, you know, she wasn't a beauty queen, but this girl danced. Yes. And I can tell you one thing, that girl never sat down. No. The guys never let us, she'd be dancing all night. And all these fine, good looking girls, you see them on the side there. And I realized the guys are not looking when it comes to the dancing, not looking just for the beauty and, and the physical thing, they're looking for the person that knows how to get down on the yeah. dance floor. Right. And that goes the same thing with girls and guys. And I tell the guys in my in my class, I said, listen, guys, not for nothing, but if you learn to dance and you dance well, you're always going to be out there having fun dancing on the floor because people are going to want to dance with you. 
Now yeah. you you could be as good looking as you could be, be, and if you don't dance, you'd be surprised how many many girls or vice versa will not dance with you. Yep. And you could be slick and dress good and have money and everything, but it's about the dance room. I, I've learned that the hard way. In the beginning, I couldn't pay somebody to dance with me. Um, but once I started getting better, yeah, it, it was nonstop. It looks, you know, um, vis visual perspectives played no role. They just want to dance. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I think I stuck, stuck at dancing um, was because there was, there was no stereotypes. Like you said, once I was in that circle, everybody yes. was the same. Nobody yeah. looked at you different. Nobody thought of you any differently. Um, it was very respectful. Very respectful. Mario, you know what? You, you've heard the word clicks. Clicks, yes. right? Yes. Well, today we have clicks, but you know what? Clicks have been around forever. And I'm talking about since the Palladium. The clicks are simply people that know how to dance versus people that dance mediocre and people that don't know how to dance. And birds of a feather, as they say, flock together. Yes. So if you're a good dancer, naturally you want to be and dance with people who dance well and so on and so forth. Now, the thing is that I realized even back then, a lot of the good dancers back then would not dance with the beginners or the mediocres. And I said, you know what? I don't want to be that person. I want to be able to dance with everybody and make everybody feel welcome on the dance floor. And, and I would ask, even when I got really, really proficient and good at the dancing, I would ask some of the girls in the clubs to dance with me and they would say, no, 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 because they had this impression that I was going to embarrass them on the dance floor. I said, mm. no, Eddie, because you're good and I'm going to go out there and look stupid. And I would tell them like this, I said, listen, do me a favor. Give me this chance to dance with you. If at any moment you feel that I'm embarrassing you on the dance floor, not only should you walk off, but you should smack me before you walk off the floor. Uh, this is before Wait a minute, me. wait a minute. So, so I, I would, I would say this, and the girls would say, "Okay, Eddie, but you know, you, you sure?" I said, "Give me a chance," and I would go out there and Mario at whatever level they dance or whatever timing, for that matter, they dance. I would accommodate them and try my best to make sure they had a good time. And then after that, they would say, "Eddie, I'll dance with you anytime, man," because I was under the impression you were going to go out there and make me look stupid. And I, and and that's why I tell even the students in my class, I said, "Listen, when you go out there, fellas." And you dance with the girl. If you see that she's not as good as you are, don't upstage her. Don't embarrass her. Don't make her look stupid. I said, because nobody wants to go on the dance floor and be embarrassed. So if you go out there and you see that she's at a lower, then dance at her level. Just make yeah. sure that she's having a good time with you because that's really what it's all about. All yeah. about adjusting, man. Adjusting. Yes. Absolutely. Just like when I dance with other partners, with other men, uh, whether they dance on one, whether they dance on two, I go to my mother's house and I do the all asala side, you know, epa. Lelo lai. I still got to do that at home. But I adjust. And there are dancers that come into Eddie, they take classes. They don't dance on one or on two. So I said, okay, what I do, we deal with it. Because I've learned the music so well that I can dance on one, two, three, four, and then two, three, four. There's five different times in a mambo or the call Maria can dance out of timing with everybody. <laughs> but, I'm serious. This girl follows anybody. Yeah. You dance out of timing, she'll dance out of timing with you. You know why? Because mm -hmm. we make them comfortable. They don't make them like embarrassed or you don't know how to dance out, especially in class. No, everyone is welcome. When they realize they need more technique, more structure, a lot of them come back to my beginner class, get restructured again, and then go on to Eddie's class. But I, as a follower, I have to adjust to whatever you want. Right. You know? and, and Mario, as, as my famous quote is, 
it's not who dances the best, but who has the most fun. Exactly. Amen. Because a, a lot of time, you know, I see that there's there's almost like an uh, an attitude of competition amongst dancers, and I'm looking at them and I'm wondering, are they having a good time, or are they just trying to impress somebody to show up somebody, you know, because they want to, you know, come off with well, this. You know, it's it's funny you you mentioned that, right? Because and and I know in your time there was no social media. Uh, when I started in the 90s, there was no YouTube, there was no Google searching. No. Um, everything was trial and error. Everything was yeah. repetition. Um, yeah. We were we were mathematicians on the dance floor. We were architects, and we had a you know after class, I was putting lines and diagrams together, left over right, you know, pivot on two, and and nowadays a, a lot of these dancers are they're calling them you know social media YouTube dancers where they just want to learn via YouTube and not really apply um, what they learned in a classroom setting like we did. Do you think a lot of these dancers today in the modernized dancing uh, from the social perspective, from learning on YouTube, anywhere else, you think that's hurting the, the artistical integrity behind what you have created and uh, what the legacy continues to do? Well, let me tell you, this is the way I think about that. Um, I, actually think there's nothing better than, than to be in a real setting with a teacher and a coach helping you and developing your skills in a class. But you know what, Mario? I realize now, back then, I wish we would have maybe some social media because the truth is there's also the aspect of the fact is a lot of people may not be able to afford to be in classes. Right. So of course, the YouTube and the social media gives you an opportunity to stay at home and learn without having to go out there and pay for a class. Um, I still think being in class is better, but I also understand how the, the social media aspects helps a lot of people that may not have the means, or they might want to be able, they might want to go to class, but now they have children at home, they don't have a babysitter. There's many reasons why a lot of people can't even get to classes. But one of, one of the things that I know for sure is the financial aspect, especially now. Yeah. Now, more than ever with this pandemic, you know, uh, I think YouTube is a blessing because a lot of people are teaching online and um, and teaching online, you know, no matter how expensive it is, it's not the same as when you go to a class and you buy a course. Um, that's why, I, I, as you know, Mary, I have hundreds of videos on YouTube and everywhere I go and, I, and, and the people record, I said, please share this, share this, don't be selfish. I said, share this because, you know, I know I understand that uh, here I am in New York, you're in Russia, you don't have the luxury of coming to take a class every week with me. So whatever you can learn that I have up on YouTube, by all means, learn it and share it. And, and, uh, and I said, you know what? A lot of times we don't realize that sharing is a beautiful thing. And I know that for those of us, sorry with me, that we have tried to live off this, you, you know, you have bills to pay and you got rent to pay and everything. So you have to, you know, try to make a living on it. But the truth is, I tell people, I says, when I go out to the congresses or in my classes, I try to give everything that I know. I give it, I give it all I got, and I try to share as much as I can. Because I tell people, I say, listen, believe it or not, life is short. You're not going to be here forever. And I, and I look at, at, at dancing, it's almost like, like toys with children are in a playground playing. I says, listen, these are toys, shines and everything. These are toys that we play with. And I says, after I leave, I want people to still enjoy, to be able to enjoy, because I'm not taking it with me. 
You know, <laughs> if I have 3,000 shines and I can leave it behind yeah. for others to enjoy, that's the way I see things. Yeah. Amen. Because, you know, yeah, because, you know, the truth is you don't take it with you. And it's always a beautiful thing for you to share because actually, just like uh, Tito Puente's music keeps him alive for, for the next uh, billion years, if, if it's possible, it's because he left that behind as a legacy for people to enjoy. So everything that I do, I try to always think of that and say, you know, that's like I'm, I'm busy always trying to put uh, upload stuff on YouTube now. And some people are actually, they get upset with me and say, oh, Eddie, you shouldn't share that. You know, blah, blah, blah. I said, no, no, that's your mentality. I don't think that way. You know, I believe in give and you shall be given. And the thing is, like I said, since I know I'm not taking it with me, I'd rather share it and leave it behind. And to think that maybe after I'm gone, people are still doing Susie Q and Front Double Cross. You think? Yes. I hope so. Eddie, you're dropping so much knowledge. You're schooling me. You have so much wisdom. Um, how important is it for an instructor to share also this education and knowledge to their students? And do you think there's a gap in this education? Well, right now, one thing for sure, Mario, as you can see, there's a new teacher every day somewhere. You know, this thing has, the market has gotten really full and it's all good, you know. Um, the thing that I, that I sometimes, when, when a student asks me, he says, Eddie, I want to dance, what, what should I do? I said, the first thing I think you should do is try to find yourself a good qualified teacher. Somebody who's, who's important knowledge that really knows their stuff and not just because they want to teach and make a quick dollar that, that, that they're out there, you know, doing this. I said, so that's important. And, and I, um, I also, I also believe, um, that teachers, uh, in, in the way that they impart their knowledge, they can do a lot of good for students, or they can also, uh, they can also create things that are not good, that things that are negative. Like, for example, I've heard of teachers who, if you're studying with them, Mario, they don't want you to go to another school and, and, and get any knowledge from another teacher. And I say, that's not right. I don't agree with that. First of all, we don't own people. You can't own them. And you, you're not in a contract commitment with them to say that you're the only teacher and, and it has to be exclusive. I mean, there's so many great teachers of different forms. And I tell my students, listen, after you've learned everything that I can teach you and lay on you, go out there and keep looking for what you're looking for. And if you need knowledge in jazz, find yourself a good jazz teacher. If you need knowledge in flamenco or Cuban dancing, I said, by all means, I said, be, you're here because you're happy to be here and we're happy to have you here, but we don't want to own you and we will never tell you that you should not go to Mario Beast studio and learn from him. No, no. by no means. Whatever, wherever your knowledge, wherever you can get good knowledge, go for it. For instance, uh, Franklin Diaz was adelante with us. Uh, he was in the bigger room, we were in the other room. Many times the students would take Franklin Diaz's first hour and then they would rush into our class and they said, Maria, I said, well, come, come in, welcome. We welcome everyone. And if they rather take Franklin Diaz's class or Nelly's class or anybody's Absolutely. class, we, we give them an open arms, but we give them options. It's okay. If you want to take a class with Eddie Charles and he teaches Monday, Thursday, and Sunday, you have three days to pick on. And then from there, they can adjust their, their schedules. So we opened up for everyone. Mario, when a teacher is open-minded like that, trust me, it makes the student feel much more comfortable. Yes. Like I've had students who say, Eddie, I'm going to take a class either with Franklin or Frankie Martinez 
or even my son. I said, by all means. Yes. I said, I wish I could go with you. <laughs> I said, the truth is, as 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 um, as teachers, we should also think of ourselves as eternal students. Yes. All right. Uh, June Liberta told me that she says, Eddie, never think you've arrived. Never think you've gotten to the place where you don't need to learn anymore. You could be a hundred years old. Keep on learning. Keep your mind open. And I said, this way you'll keep growing. You know. I tell my students all the time, I'm always a student first and foremost. It's always about yes. knowledge. Knowledge is power. The more yes. you learn from others, the more you're going to grow from others and become this ultimate dancer. So always stay yes. hungry because um, you never know what lies ahead, right? But, yes. exactly. you know, we're almost, we're almost done. We have a couple more questions. I don't want to take... Yes. Time. No, no problem. Um, sure, sure. With this whole pandemic happening, we all know nobody's exempt. No matter how much power, money, respect you have, uh, nobody's exempt from this hotmess.com. Where do you think moving forward? And, and it's pretty difficult to even, you know, forecast what's going to happen, right? Because uh, a lot of us don't really have answers. But where do you see the dancing going? Uh, and do you think there's anything that we should do differently moving forward? Well, one thing for sure, uh, like you say, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring because here we are in the middle of this crisis with this pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm hoping and praying, I'm sure like the entire world, is that we can get through this the sooner the better. I mean, basically to get back to what we love to do for you and, my, and me, I'm sure Mary is about teaching classes and, and helping people and uh, learn and enjoy what we love. And, and, and hopefully that'll, that'll continue at some point. I'm sure we'll get back to that today. Um, I also like, I like to always, always share that I believe that sometimes if we're not careful, we get too caught up on our life on this earth and never think about what might happen after we leave this earth, you know, because um, sometimes you got to think, I don't know how, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but a lot of people that, that they believe what the Bible says, that there's a life after this as you go into eternity, but a lot of times, um, some people don't believe that. They say, hey, you die, that's it, it's over. I happen to, we happen to be Christians here, and we believe what the Bible says. We are all believers in Jesus Christ, and we do believe the message of the cross and the gospel. And so I sometimes, along with all the knowledge I've been imparting, I said, people, I said, I know that some of you may not want to hear this, but I said, I feel almost obligated to share my faith with you because I believe what the Bible says, that if we leave, if we believe and accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he will grant us eternal life as we leave this earth. And a lot of times, you know, when I'm, I'm a, in a lot of places where a famous uh, artist has passed on, the first thing you hear, especially amongst Latinos, oh, he's in heaven, he's jamming, and he's dancing, and he's playing in heaven. And I start to think, well, that's only if he accepted Jesus as his savior. You know, this is our, my faith, and I don't want to offend anybody because, you know, I respect everybody's faith and their religion. But I says, I, I, I believe that there is a life after this one, Mario. And a lot of times since you've heard it, and, and we've all heard it since we're growing up, oh, life is short, life is short. You start to think, man, how, how long do we live? And a man's average living uh, lifespan is between 70, 80. If he reaches 100, wow, that's a miracle. But the truth is, either way you look at it, life is short. And that's why I've learned to, 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 to realize, hey, do the best. Do whatever you're going to do. Do it now. Don't wait. Um, uh, like I, I think I shared this with you. I had I had a poster that helped me stay focused on on what life meant to me, 
And the poster would read, after all is said and done, more will be said than done. And that always told me, don't talk shit. Don't talk about what you're going to do. Do it. Don't talk about it. And, and the thing is, if you, if you love somebody, let them know now. Don't wait. Don't wait till they're gone and then go to the funeral hall and start crying. I said, because no, no. As a matter of fact, um, one of the beautiful things that happened to me this He's week, Mario. You say uh, you love her. No, 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 no. Listen, because I'm, I'm, I'm in the moment. Oh, uh, this, this, this week, I had a, an interview with a, a, a dancer named Franco Rocha from, from, he's from Spain. Beautiful brother. And he kept telling me, Eddie, I got some surprises for you. Little did I know that the surprises that he had was he had brothers like Francisco Vasquez, Tito Itamara, uh, Adrián from Adrián and Anita. Yeah. And Adolfo in Dacochea. Nice. And they all, um, huh? Wilton? oh, Wilton Beltre from wow. Santo Domingo. Wilton yeah, yeah. I put yeah. it, I put it all on my, on my profile. You can check it out later. Oh my God. How's Wilton? He's beautiful. He's nice. beautiful. He, he, his words made, made, made me cry, man. Yeah. And you know, they had him, they had Adolfo, they had uh, Francisco Vasquez. They all sharing what they thought about me, Maria. And, and I said, you know what? It's a beautiful thing for me to be able to hear this now while I'm still above ground. Yeah. To, to, like they say, uh, you know, whatever they're going to do for you, let them do it while you're living, Mario. Don't bring you flowers after you're dead. Correct. Don't come and talk. Don't come and talk about how nice Mario was after you die. Yeah. You know, whatever they're going to do for us, do it while you're living. Yeah. So this to me meant a lot because I said, wow, it's a beautiful thing to hear these, these uh, dancers who I've had. Uh, I've had the privilege of being instrumental in their dance career. And, and to hear this, you know, believe it or not, it, it does mean a lot. Because yeah. a lot of times, you know, you've heard it. People die, oh, I never got a chance to say I love them. I never got a chance. I say, well, then you blew it. Yeah. You blew well, it. Because, yeah. yeah. I want you to know, and I want both of you to know, I really and sincerely love you both. Likewise, Mario. Likewise. And, and we've, we've had many, you know, off off the record conversations. Um, and the last time we spoke, uh, I almost really became emotional um, because you've been extremely, both of you, very instrumental in my choices and in my hope in my dance career. And um, I really look up to both of you. You're both, to me, role models, uh, not only as dancers, but just as amazing human beings. And um, I, I know I can't speak for the rest of the world or the rest of the dance community, um, but you mean a lot to me and, and, and I'm sure to many others. So um, stick around for another, you know, 70 more years. <laughs> oh, wow. We wow. need both of you. Um, wow. You know, and, and, and it brings me back. I, I was in tears the first time I saw, you remember the Celia tribute when, when they knew that she was going to pass and she was sick? Yeah. That's yeah. what we're talking about. Acknowledge people when they're present, when they're there. Yes. You know, don't do it when they can't hug you back. They can't thank you in return. Um, mm -hmm. So my next question, and it's going to be my final question. I'll let you guys, you know, continue knitting um, for both of you. <laughs> Mario, uh, before you go there, before yeah. you go there, let me say this to you. Yes. I'm, I'm actually happy. I'm happy right now that all these people that are using these platforms to do these interviews that is happening at this time, it's time because we have nothing else to do. You know, here we are stuck at home. What better thing to do than to start getting to know people more personal yes. through these platforms? Yes. So this is actually a blessing right now. 
Because right now I feel I've gotten to know you better through these yes. through these platforms yes. than I ever knew you. Because you know when we're at the gigs, hey Mary, what's up? Here you are doing your beautiful MC job that you do so well, my brother. Thank and, you. And Thank you. and I've always admired you even for that. But other than that, how many conversations have we had? And who's Mario? And what makes you happy? And what makes you sad? We never have those opportunities, no. right? Yeah, we're always busy. We're being rushed on stage, rushed off stage. Mm -hmm. It's, that's why. Uh, that's why I say yes to everybody who's asking me now, basically for interviews. Say, yeah, man. Of course, I'll I'll talk to you and and share because the truth is, this is a rare opportunity that we have right now. And yes. I'm sure once this pandemic is over, we'll go back to the hustle and bustle, that crazy life that we say hello and goodbye, yes. which is also cool. And I would still fix the costumes behind the stage, like an emergency, like we I always do. Always, I'm, I'm always there. Mama Maria, baby. <laughs> Well, I mean, hopefully, you know, when we created this platform, you know, Roots, Rhythm and Soul um, as a podcast, yeah, it's, it's allowing people to have a, a platform and a voice to be encouraged to be open-minded, be present. Um, but definitely, there's not something we want to stop once things do open up. You know, I think, um, you know, a lot more people need to be heard. And I think a lot of people feel intimidated to speak sometimes because whatever, yes. you know, repercussions that might come back their way. But this is definitely, and I know we're not the only ones, but this is definitely one of many platforms giving people more courage uh, and more motivation to 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 be heard, to to be, yeah. you know, to just to listen and, mm -hmm. and just hear me out. Um, and mm -hmm. and you know, if you guys don't know, um, right now it's the highest rate of suicide deaths that we have had ever. Look at um, that. You know, depression is at its highest it's ever been. Um, people are miserable. People don't want to be living the, the, this new, you know, new normal, this new lifestyle. And yes, um, it's difficult times that we're in. Um, yes. But again, I love you both and, and thank you. But I want to ask you the very important question, both of you. Okay. Go ahead. Um, uh -oh. Yeah. And now that we're all listening, <laughs> now we're all listening. <laughs> um, as you mentioned earlier, we're not going to be around forever. Um, what legacy, if that, do you want to leave behind? And as a part two question to that, how do you both individually want to be remembered? I want to be, I want to be remembered just like Ismael Rivera. <clears throat> One time, excuse me. They asked Ismael Rivera, I said, Ismael Rivera. You're not choking up on me, right? No, 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 I'm good. He's <laughs> choking up on me. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hello. So anyway, what was I saying? Uh, they asked me the, the, the singer, the, the, the great, great, late, great singer from Puerto Rico. They asked him and said, in Spanish, in Maya Rivera, in pocas palabras, ¿Quién es Imae Rivera? Who is Imae Rivera? And he just looked up real, real gracefully. He said, yo, yo soy un negrito chévere. That was it. He left it at that. And I said, wow, with few words, he said something that I said, that's how I want to be remembered too. And I'm sure Maria, that no big deal, you know, because sometimes people, uh, they get too caught up with being famous or or being popular, having money. I said, none of that is going to be worth anything at the end because at the end of it all, to me, it's going to be important how people thought of you as a human being. Right. And, 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 and at, at the end of the day, if I can say Mario es un tipo chévere, I think that says a lot more than to say, oh, he was a, a great dancer, you know, and that was it. So that's the legacy that I would like to leave behind. I, I, that's the way I would like people to think of me, and I'm sure Maria feels that way because we talk about this all the time. 
And the legacy I leave behind is everything that I've done. And that's why I try to put everything I can on YouTube because that's the way you let people know what you did. And for example, I think now people now realize how much I've done and I even myself because I put all these videos up and said, damn, Eddie, I didn't know you were at the White House. I didn't know you did this. I said, trust me, I said, sometimes I, I, I'm amazed myself because I look <laughs> at all this stuff and I said, oh my God, I've done so much stuff. But I spent my entire life dedicated to this dance and to this music. And I hope people, you know, like I said, now I'm getting a lot of appreciation for what I've done and I've contributed. And that makes me feel good. I feel like I've had purpose on this earth and I've done something to bring a little joy into people's uh, lives. And so that's that's the legacy I think that I would be happy leaving behind and people thinking of Maria and Eddie is that that way, that we just we just like to bring joy into into this world of full of problems and, and, and sorrow, that if for any moment you forgot your troubles while you were either at our class or watching a performance or social dancing, then that's good, that we've done something positive. And in this dance, I thank God as we go together and teach together, we unite people to the point that a lot of them got married, uh, like we did. But, she was like, uh, <laughs> Eddie, because you and Maria, we got married. If it's good, we, we, we'll take the credit. That, if no, it's not, we don't tell we're not responsible. But I also, Mario, you've seen it before where situations happen backstage where somebody's having a zillion safety pins on the outfit, and I'm like, oh, Lord. So once Eddie's settled and he's he's done, everything's uh, set up for him, I go around with my bag and I literally look for somebody that needs my help. Why? Because while I'm helping you, for instance, and I'm talking to you, I'm teaching everyone else. I've right. done that, uh, long story short, at the California Sasa Congress with Albert Torres. Eddie went there with the dancers with the uh, uh, rhinestone, feather, bikini, outfit, and everybody else was playing Jane. They had no rhinestones, no nothing. So I saw the group like, and I said, I got to break this. I got to do something. I brought my sewing machine. I had a bunch of glues, stones, all kinds of stuff. So I went around to each group, and I saw the girls had their little line. I said, who's the director to this? I said, try this. Take this glue, which was the mega type, which is the rubber type of glue. I said, put yeah. it around here and put it on your on your head. And I told the director, try this. I, trust me. So I'm teaching her. Everybody else is watching. So I literally went all around to all the groups that were there. And I believe it was, what's this, this guy? Um, Fernando's. Which Fernando? Uh, Tropical Jam? Tropical Jam. Fernando Sosa. Yeah, yeah, Fernando Sosa. He had an African pizza. He was trying to put some shells, whatever. It didn't work. I went to him to try this. And he and Sian Bristol, they had, I have a problem with ripped jeans. He had rips everywhere. And I go, what is the concept to this? And he told me <laughs> the idea. I said, put safety pins all around, put safety pins around the hat and made it look more punky. So by the time the show opened up, everybody was all blinged up. But we do it to share. We do it for people to feel comfortable with. Besides his dancing and his technique and his career, I, I'm behind the scene embracing everyone to listen, try this, learn this, do that, whatever, because if you present yourself and you look good on stage, you perform better. Absolutely. So my goal was always to encourage everyone else. Of course, everything I make, Eddie, and you know, you, you tell me yourself, Maria, that blue 
Roomba sleeve shirt. And I said, okay, I love you too, Mario, but this is Eddie. Uh, <laughs> I encourage people to do their best in terms of their costumes them, them, themselves. If you feel good about yourself, you perform better. And this is my way of uniting dancers that if you see a situation from somebody else that you never met them, approach them, welcome them, make them feel like you are part of a team, you're part of a family. Yeah, you're and, setting and, the tone. You're setting the yes. tone and, and you're, you're leading by example. And, and yes. so you said, uh, if, if, you, uh, if you look good, you feel good. Yes. <laughs> Mario, Mario, uh, uh, a, few, a few people that I, I remember because you hear, you hear things and you say, man, I want to apply that to my life. Uh, there was there was a, a very famous comedian back in the day. Uh, his name was Red Skelton. He had a, pro a program on called the Red Skelton Show. Yes, and we're talking about way back, and and, and he was always he was always a very happy guy. And one time the interviewer said, "You know, Red, can you share with us why is it that you always have such a happy disposition and you always seem to be, you know, very content with your life?" And he says, "Well, the way he used to talk, he said, well." I learned a long time ago, he says, why take your life so serious when you're not going to get out of it alive anyway? Wow. <laughs> yeah. wow, that's, that's simple, as that, simple as that is, it's a truth. Yes. And then another one that I love, and this is a, a quote from, from um, what he called King Solomon in the Bible, where he writes in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, the sum of life, after it's all said and done, he says, the sum of life is eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Yeah. I said, you know what? I just wanted to add a little something to that. I said, I'm going to say, eat, drink, and be merry, dance on two, for tomorrow we die. <laughs> <laughs> he taught on one back in 1980 to teach the editor's technique. So we did that for almost seven years to let you wow. know how much influence we have done throughout the years. I'm dancing with him already 41 years. I'm 60, by the way. <clears throat> but um, I want to share that anything that I've learned, everything that we've done besides outside of dancing, like we, uh, we talk to everyone, like mothers and fathers, or my experience as a woman, because everything, as you know, Mario, if you don't mind me talking, uh, no. uh, as a woman, is hard for us. So because Eddie taught me and I had to learn his world, I had to develop the lady styling. I had to open doors for women to now do soloists, be teachers, teach lady styling. Through, of course, Eddie technique where you dance on one or two, I had to really force my way in to open doors for women. Because of course, Eddie knows, everybody knows him as the Mambo King and this, that, whatever. This is his dream, this is his, Thing that he wanted to do and I said I'm on board let's go let's do this but he gave me the opportunity to represent the women of all the world to show men or every anyone in, to women can conduct a class by herself women can do solo women can do lady styling I want to tell you this and I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart thank you for calling me the Mambo Queen um it's not the title you're giving me respect and you're Amen. the only one that I've known throughout the interview and everything we've done has that given me that platform of respect. Maria, you're not the mama queen because you married Eddie Torres. You're the mama queen because what I did for the women out here in the world and all the women out there. I'm very honored that Eddie saw the talent that I have 
because uh, when you there in the last Congress, uh, you were there in the last Salsa, New York Salsa Congress, but Eddie did, the first Maria Torres came in, I said she's my younger sister, uh, Maria O'Connor, and then we came out and we performed with the challenge, Eddie Torres Challenge. Correct. That little, that little piece that Eddie and I performed in the beginning, he taught me that choreography upstairs in the hotel five minutes before we came downstairs and we perform it. That's wow. how Eddie has always taught me all my life. He has an idea, he teaches me and we're ready to perform. Now what took me about six months was the social dancing because I had to understand his world, right, you understand? Right. But as a woman to ex uh, express or show the world the gift that God has given me, which is costumes, making blankets and making people happy, that's what we both do. We share our love to everyone. We share everything that we do because we enjoy it. And we enjoy pe making people happy. Amen. But I want to thank you for respecting me. No need to thank me. You you deserve the respect. Um, you deserve nothing less. You know, you deserve everything. So thank you. Thank you for the time. Thank you for your contributions. Thank you for your sacrifices. Um, thank you. you guys have done so much for us, so much for me. Um, you know, I tell people too, as an instructor, I think that's the least task that I have is teaching because I think we're all therapists. We're all psychologists yes. um, because, you know, we, we try to motivate people. We try to inspire people. We try to um, make them believe in themselves. Yes. We try to help them understand that there's hope. Um, you know, it's everybody's going through something. And, yes. Uh, you know, and, and it's huge for what we do and, and what you guys have done for the dance community. So I love you guys. I do. Same. Likewise, Mario. Last night, just let me, let me just share this before we close. Last night I was telling the guys, listen, I said a lot of times, you know, I, I know that guys, when they become great leaders, I said, don't make the mistake when you become a great leader in the dance, thinking that your part in leading is more important than the ladies following. I said, in my opinion, I say this, but I say this in a sincere way. I truly believe that the hardest part when you're doing partner work is the ladies who have to follow. I said, because of the truth is, as you know, when we're dancing, Mary, we, we might give ourselves one or two turns here and there, but we're constantly spinning the ladies all night in these turn patterns. And I tell the guys, if you think that's easy, I said, come out here and let me lead you. And, and, and so you realize that it's not easy to follow. These days, they don't even say men and women. They, they call us leads and follows. Either yes. you're a leader or follow, whether whether a lady's leading or a guy's leading. But I've always had that respect to realize that the women's place and their job in, in dancing in couples and dancing partner work is very difficult and it should be respected. So I, I, I always say that to the guys in class because I want them to know my opinion on that particular subject. You know? That's just, it's it's important for us to realize that the ladies, man, we come out with all these crazy ideas yes. and we expect them to easily yes. just follow it. And then we look at them like they're crazy because they they can't pick it up. I said, no, their job is hard. And and on a funny note, Tito, when they used to say, Tito, how do you feel about people calling you the Mambo King? He said, I don't have no problem with that as long as they don't call me the Mambo Queen. Wow. <laughs> no. so, and that note, I want to mention to everyone in terms of with Eddie, when I perform many times with Eddie, he always choreographed a routine on stage. On stage, when I see his eyes go like this, I say, I'm in trouble. He flips uh, me, 
pulls my hair, drags me across the, the floor. She loves it, Mario. She loves it. I was pregnant for our second daughter. I was seven and a half months pregnant. And he forgot that I was pregnant with Dancing at the Apollo Theater with Tito Puente. He flipped me 11 oh. times. And 11 times. And then when he flipped me, he, I was like, oh, oh. he goes, oh, you're pregnant. So he lets me go to do a solo. So I turned around and I saw the public, my belly. And I had a standing ovation. And then Tito was like. And the baby was inside going, wee. <laughs> That's our second daughter, Margarita. But I, I danced with all three pregnancies for our daughter, Nadia, Margarita, and our son, Emmanuel. All three pregnancies I danced. But many times when I see his eyes go like this, I said, I'm done. Mario, Mario, the truth is, you know, people have, have come to me and said, Eddie, I want to hire you to dance with Maria, but I don't want no choreography. I said, what? What do you want? He says, I want, you know, I want you to get on stage and dance socially with her. Yes. Because the truth is, you know, you know this, Mario, the stuff we do social, we don't have no pressure about trying to remember all the choreography, all the moves, the time. Right. We just do whatever we want to do, what comes out. And that spontaneity is something. Matter of fact, that spontaneity, I grew up all my life because I, I love the idea of doing things that people, even yourself, we weren't expecting. Like, all of a sudden you're dancing and then you you jump on top of a chair or sl slide under a table that that's the stuff that drives me crazy because it's spontaneous yes. without choreography without being on one or two and and um and and a lot of times when i've danced with maria socially people have said man that's the best show right there just watching you guys have fun in the social world yeah. it's authentic it's, it, it's yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, not, it, it's not structured. It's no, not in structured. one of the shows we did, it was the Night of the Dancers that was dressed in red but silver. He kept doing dance with me all of a sudden as he turned his eyes again, he pinned me <laughs> up against the wall up at Club Broadway, and that pole was glass, the little glass. God. He picked me up, pulled me up against the wall, slide out, and I'm like, oh. Mario, she loved it. Don't let her, <laughs> don't let her fool you. She loved it. And I put up against the pole, and I'm doing all these moves on her. Yes. And the crowd is going crazy. And it's like, oh, spontaneous stuff. I said, and that's the kind of stuff I'm telling you, that that's the kind of stuff that, that just, the thought happens, you know, you go with it. Spontaneous. Yeah. And there's nothing, improv, there's improv. nothing I appreciate. There's nothing I appreciate more than spontaneity, man. Yeah. Also, I want to quickly mention that there's a show we did in Spain that he dressed in like purple. Where I forgot what it was. Yeah, it, we were in Madrid, and 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 uh, I know we got to go, Marius. So I'm going to wrap it up. Yeah, that's okay. We, we we did the choreography on the plane, and we we're rehearsing on the plane near the bathroom. Oh my god! Because one 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 of the flight attendants, she said, "What are you guys doing?" I said, "Well, we're actually rehearsing." For a show we have to do tonight, and I thought she was gonna reprimand us and tell us to sit down. She goes, "Can I watch?" Oh my <laughs> so here we are dancing in the bathroom. But Mario, you don't understand. I'm rehearsing another routine, another song for two weeks. He gets to the play. I he gets and hear him playing the music. I'm like, "Oh no, I'm done." In the play, he choreographed the routine. We landed, wait three hours for our room, get dressed, and perform that same night. Oh and we God. nailed the routine as though we've been rehearsing all along. Mario, trust me, because Maria, she, she knew me so well. I never had any fears about doing that because I said, whatever it is, it's probably going to come out better than the choreography yes, that I planned. You know? So did. many times, you know who I learned that from, Mario? I learned that from Tito. We went to Hunter College one night, and when he got there, I had about eight numbers choreographed with this, like 12 dancers. And when he gets there, he says, Eddie, let me let me speak to you for a moment. So he goes to an office. He says, Eddie, I got some bad news. He says, I didn't bring my music tonight. With the rush to get here, I left it home. 
I said, so what do we do? And he looked at me dead in my face and he said, we're going to deal with it. We're going to improvise. Mario, to make a long story short, it was one of the best shows we have ever had for Tito. Yeah. Why? Because dancers were free out there. They were jamming, having a good time. Like They were they, present. Like they were, and, and they were like just freestyling, uh, social dancing. And yeah. they were loving it. And, and, and at the end, Tito says, did, did you learn something? I said, yeah, I learned how to deal with it. <laughs> whatever, whatever situation, don't panic. Improvise and deal with it. But you know, is, yeah. No, okay, okay, Marie, good, good. But this is for me all the time. He might set a choreography for whatever. Say, I know when we get on stage, he's going to just change it. See, you know, Maria, because I'm spontaneous. Eddie, real quick, you mentioned Tito, and I, and I completely forgot. I, I remember hearing um, a comment from Tito Puente once. Uh, I believe a reporter had asked him in the 90s, so what do you think about all these up-and-coming you know, salsa artists. And I believe he, he stated, and, and if I can quote him, um, it's all great. However, um, salsa is nothing but a condiment used with chips. Yeah. Well, you know, he, he, I mean, I think the people know that already. People uh, knew that Tito never liked, never liked the word salsa to be addressed to either the music or the dance, for that matter. You know, he, he, well, he always felt it was not the correct word. Because literally speaking, we know that sauce is sauce. Correct. And he says, you don't play sauce, you know, you play music. And so he always he always had a problem with that. I even had a problem with that when they first started, you know, really using the word salsa to address to the music and the dance. And people would call up and say, Eddie, do you teach salsa? I said, no, I teach mambo, but I put a lot of salsa on it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, I would say like that because I said, listen, I'm one that I like to respect the origins of our culture. Right. If it's called Wawanko, say Wawanko. If it's Rumba, say Rumba. You know, identify it with respect. I said, yeah. you know what? I always say this to Latinos. That Latinos have to really be very conscientious how, on how they should protect their culture. Yeah. And I mean across the border, not only the music, but the language, the food, the flag, everything. For example, you know, we're immigrants here in New York. Um, and we come here, and if we don't protect our language, our food, and everything that has to do with our culture, we'll lose it, Mario. Mm. We'll lose it. It's our responsibility as parents to teach it to our children. Right. In my house, my mother always spoke Spanish. And I, I remember I used to get upset and say, Mama, we know I speak English. Why? She said, no, no, you're going to learn how to speak Spanish. And, I'm, and I thank God that she did that because I, my Spanish is not great, but it's not bad. Yeah. El español mío es bastante bueno, considerando que soy nacido y criado aquí en Nueva York on what you call a New York weekend, right? But I realize now that if we do not pass it down to our children, we will lose it. Yes. And in this house, I don't know about any place else, but in this house, yes. we eat rice and beans, baby, with <laughs> aguacate, and we have maduros and bite and all that good stuff that we love as Latinos. And our three kids talk to my parents, my family in Spanish. Good. So they can keep practicing. Like, uh, that, like that commercial, and mi casa toman bustelo, baby. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's yes. right. Yes. Listen, guys, I love you both. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Thank you, Thank you so much for the history. Thank you for schooling you. me, the viewers, the listeners. Um, and, and thank you so much for everything you're continuing to do for us and the dance community. You mean a lot to us and um, we are all grateful to have you a part of the 
you know, leading our dance community. So thank you. Thank uh, you. And Mario, 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 where you go? We just getting started, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mario, no, hey. Mario, look, I'll be here for you. three more hours. No, no, Mario, we love you, man. Like I said, whenever you want us back, we're here for yes. you. And we love you and keep doing the beautiful work you're doing. Yes. And you. as far as MC, bro, you are first class. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies thank and gentlemen, you, my name is Mario. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Mario B, your host, your voice for Roots, Rhythm, and Soul. And we are here once again. Thank you so much to Eddie Torres, the Mambo King. And of course, the beautiful and the lovely, the Mambo Queen herself, Maria Torres. Thank, thank you so you. much, guys. We love you. Ciao, familia. Ciao, bacalao. All right, my beautiful people, that concludes our second episode with the Mambo King and Mambo Queen, Mr. Eddie and Maria Torres. Big shout out to Maria and Eddie for sharing their time with us and also big shout out to our listeners for sharing your time with us. Please be on the lookout for our next episode with the legendary vocalist, Frankie Morales, who sang for many years for the legendary Hector Lavoe and Tito Puente. Special thanks to our founder and executive producer, Emily Mia Mathura, and our technical producer, Ruben Valeriano. Big shout outs go out to Dario Rubio, representando República Dominicana, Oscar Herrera in Atlanta, Georgia, Colorado New Style Dance Studio in Denver, and Laura Escalante in Denver. Once again, I am your host, Mario B., and thank you so much for listening and tuning in to Roots, Rhythm, and Soul.